ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد ان القران when Allah gives us different tangible descriptions of paradise of jannah one of the purposes of this is so we can try to imagine within our very limited capacity in this very limited world Allah gives us a hint Allah gives us a very tiny taste of something related to what's in Jannah. We ask Allah to grant all of us and our loved ones Jannah amni rabbil alamin and we ask Allah to forgive our mistakes and to accept our efforts as humble and meager as they may be amni rabbil alamin. Allah gives us, you know, hints in this life and Allah mentions these different hints in the Quran so that we can feel motivated and inspired by it so we can, you know, wonder and imagine that if this is how for example a pomegranate is in this life first of all alhamdulillah for this blessing if someone has you know a pomegranate at home if they have anara at home for example they they appreciate it they love it they they thank allah for that blessing but then you also look at surah ar-rahman and allah mentions that there are going to be pomegranates in jannah now the reality is those pomegranates are going to be way different than the ones we have here but when we when we look at the pomegranates that we have now just as a very basic example if we're connected with surah ar-rahman it it becomes not just something someone may be having you know one afternoon it also becomes a reminder for the believer that is as delicious as this is i wonder what the pomegranates are like in jannah i wonder how big they are in jannah i wonder how delicious they are in jannah i wonder what they look like i wonder what they taste like so all of a sudden it becomes not just something you're eating for those few minutes for those few moments it becomes a reminder that there's more to my purpose than just what's in front of me here there's a greater goal that i need to work towards and that becomes much more than just a piece of fruit that you got from the store for a couple dollars it becomes a reminder that you know what i want something better in the akhirah i want something better in jannah i'm thankful for this but th- this is just a tiny 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 hint of what's better to come. And it's very interesting. Take Surah Al-Ghashiyah for example. Allah mentions a very stark contrast. You find this concept in several places in the Quran. This is just one example. Allah mentions those who end up in a very bad situation in the hereafter. May Allah protect us from that. And part of that description even includes the food they're going to have. It even Allah even mentions the food that people are going to have in Jahannam. We ask Allah to protect all of us from that. And then on the flip side, Allah also describes some things in connection with the food of the people of Jannah. So now when we're eating, which we do several times a day, we thank Allah for his blessings. Now it's not just we're eating that food for that meal just during that moment. It's supposed to be a deeper reminder. This is the food that I have in dunya. I thank Allah for these blessings. I hope for the good food in the hereafter and I ask Allah to protect me from the bad food in the hereafter. All of a sudden it becomes much more there's much more depth to it than just that meal. 
That's a blessing, but then it also becomes a reminder for this greater cause, this greater purpose, this greater goal that we're all inching towards and coming closer towards, whether we realize it or not, whether we like it or not. Whether, you know, when you go to the airport, you have those, the, like the, the electronic sidewalks, right? So if someone, if they're on that and they're facing forward, guess what? They're going in that direction. If they're walking in the same direction as the automatic sidewalk, they're speeding up the process in which they're going in that same direction. Now, if someone is standing on that same thing, that same conveyor belt, but then they turn around. And they deny the Akhirah. You know, Judgment Day is fake and God doesn't exist and this and that. Even if they turn their back on these concepts and they turn away from Allah Azza wa Jal entirely and they turn their back on preparing for their own hereafter and they turn around on the automatic sidewalk, they may think that they're facing south, for example, whether they like it or not, whether they, they appreciate or not, realize it or not. They're st- even if they're facing the wrong way, they're still going north. So even if someone denies this, that, or the other, they're still inching towards the Day of Judgment, even if they deny it. And there's going to be no doubt in anyone's mind after people pass away, at that time when their soul is leaving their body, at that point there's no more doubt. Angels are real, the hereafter is real, there is life after death. But do we want to be in a good situation when the soul is leaving the body, or do we want to be in a bad situation? Any of us would say we want a good situation. Allah wants far more from us than just lip service. Allah wants much more from us than just to claim I'm Muslim, I'm Muslim by name. I say la ilaha illallah with my tongue. That's not enough with Allah. Allah and His Messenger have taught us time and time again in the Quran and the Sunnah that we have to live that claim. They say their Lord is Allah. But then they back it up with their character. They back it up with their business dealings. They back it up with how they treat their family members. They back it up with how they treat their spouse. They back it up with how they treat their kids. It's not just a slogan, La ilaha illallah, and that's it. Allah demands from us. It is not something that we have a choice in. We have no choice in this matter. Allah demands from us, if you want to make it there to Jannah, put in work now. Roll up your sleeves and put in work now, as the Prophet taught us sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. Jaza'an bima kanu ya'malun. The reward of Jannah is for those who did things. They, they took action for the sake of Allah. They did good deeds for the sake of Allah. They didn't just claim la ilaha illallah. Anyone can do that. They lived la ilaha illallah. That is what Allah is praising. Allah is praising those who live that claim of their shahada. They live their claim that Allah is the one they live for. They don't just say it, they also live it. They care about charity. They care about their prayer, their namaz. They care about being kind to those younger than them and also being respectful to those older than them. It's a two-way street. So if I want my kids to have ihsan with me, if I want my students to have ihsan with me, then the onus is on me to start that trend. I have to start that cycle. I have to produce ihsan in order to hopefully receive it. Even then, I don't know. But I have to try by serving first, by taking action first. Because if I'm a parent and I don't put in that work, if I'm a teacher and I don't put in that work, I cannot expect anything from my kids or my students to be good to me. I cannot demand that. Because what, what have I done to earn that respect? What have I done to earn that ihsan? And Allah makes this crystal clear again in Surah Al-Rahman. هَلْ جَزَاوُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ 
Is there any reward for Ihsan other than Ihsan? What's the subtlety within this ayah? First you do good and then you receive good. At work, what do you have to do? You put in the work and then you get your paycheck. But sometimes as Muslims we think to ourselves, we want the paycheck of Jannah, but we don't want to put in any work for it. We want to sit down, we want to sleep at the security desk, we don't want to you know, do our rounds, we don't want to patrol, we don't want to do anything, figuratively speaking. We just want to chill, we want to hang out, we want to sleep, we want to walk watch TV, Netflix, whatever, but we still want the paycheck. And on top of that, we complain if we don't get a bonus. We complain if we don't get paid extra for no apparent reason, just because we're so entitled to it. Allah tells us time and time again in the Quran, live your faith, live your faith. So when Allah gives us these breadcrumbs, these hints, Allah describes, you know, the housing in Jannah. Allah describes the prime real estate. Fi jannatin aliyah. You know, in this life, people oftentimes they save up a lot of money. And then once they get a little bit older, they make this decision that now I want to get my dream home. And where do you oftentimes find the prime real estate up in the hills, right? Up in the hills, because you have the view, you have the peace and, the peace and quiet, you want to have good neighbors, or maybe you just don't want to have neighbors. You want to have so much property that you don't even want to hear people next to you. What's interesting is these types of things that people work so hard for in the dunya, Allah mentions the concepts in the Qur'an regarding the akhirah. Again, Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Right? Allah gives us these descriptions and these hints to motivate us. You know what? Just like I see this, you know, maybe someone, they're going through a magazine, and they see an amazing, an amazing picture of an amazing house on a hill overlooking, right, overlooking the ocean. From one perspective, a person may say, wow, that's a beautiful house, mashallah, that's beautiful. That's an amazing, you know, paradigm to have. But what we want to do is we want to look at things with depth perspective. That image may be 2D, but we want to look at things in a 3D, fa 3D fashion with a heart of iman. As much as I appreciate this, ya Allah, I ask you for an even better house than this in Jannah. And Allah gives the description that you're going to have amazing gardens and rivers. And where do people want to go for vacation? They often want to go where? The Bahamas. They want to go to Hawaii. They want to go to this place. Something in their fitrah is telling them, I want to be around nature. I want to be around greenery, palm trees, you know, lush gardens. And something to do with water. It could be rivers. It could be a lake. It could be an ocean. There's something in our fitrah that feels connected by default with there's just something innate within us. So when we come across the dunya version of it, it's a reminder that, you know, there's something far better than this in the akhirah. Ask Allah for both. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَا وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ These are some of the tangible blessings that Allah describes in the Qur'an regarding Jannah. In addition to that, Allah describes different emotional blessings of Jannah. What does Allah say in Surah Fatir in Surah 35? Allah describes people when they enter Jannah. They say, Alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah, it's not just that there's this amazing house, that there's this amazing, you know, amazing gardens and rivers and fruits and this, that, and the other. Those may Allah grant all of us that. I mean, in addition to that, Allah describes people when they enter Jannah emotionally. How are they going to feel? Allah says that when they enter Jannah, first they're going to say Alhamdulillah. If we want to be people of Alhamdulillah in Jannah, in the Akhirah, we have to start with being people of Alhamdulillah in Dunya. What does our book begin with? Alhamdulillah. 
What does our prayer begin with? Alhamdulillah. But then sometimes we find the least grateful people on the face of the earth are Muslims at times. And we know this within ourselves. Allah describes the month of Ramadan as a month of shukr. It's supposed to develop and cultivate a sense of gratitude. But then a lot of the time, what happens with a lot of Muslims? It becomes the month of complaining and ingratitude as opposed to the month of gratitude. All of a sudden, everyone is complaining, you know, the temperature in the masjid is, is not perfect exactly how I want it at home. But then they're praying next to someone who wants it 10 degrees hotter, and then on the other side, someone else wants it 10 degrees lower, and all three of them are unhappy. What happened to having a depth, a depth in our hearts when it comes to Iman? To feel deeply connected to our Iman. You know what? Alhamdulillah. I'm thankful that I have a masjid to pray in safely. Look at what's happening to the Muslims in China. We ask Allah to help them and to help us to help them. Look at all the different calamities in the world. The majority of the country of Yemen is starving. Look at what's been happening in Syria for years. Look at what's going on in Afghanistan. I don't have to preach to the choir. I'm not going to do that. But the point is, we want to connect with different things in this Qur'an and we want to live them. If we want to be people of Alhamdulillah there, we have to start with Alhamdulillah here. And if we don't start with Alhamdulillah here, how can we expect to be people of Alhamdulillah there? Allah is giving us a preview. Allah is giving us the appetizer. If you want that there, do this here. No, 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 I don't, I don't want to put in the work. Okay, then how can you expect a paycheck? No, no, I don't want to do the work. I don't want to do anything, but I'm entitled to it because I'm so amazing. I deserve it. Why do you deserve it? Because I have a Muslim name. So, what Allah talks about in, in the Qur'an is the reality of the condition of the heart of the person. The reality of the heart of the person. Because someone can claim one thing, but then internally it can be something completely different. Allah Himself says in Surah Al-Baqarah that their people, they claim that they believe in Allah. They claim that they believe in the last day. But then Allah says they don't actually believe at all. They don't do anything to back up that claim. They don't live that claim. So they're saying the right things. We believe in Allah. We believe in Iman. We, we believe in the Quran. All these things. But Allah is testifying Allah is sufficient as a witness that they don't actually believe. So what we need to do, what we want to do, let me take some concepts from this Qur'an to, and live them so I can show Allah that I want these blessings Allah has described in the hereafter. Allah describes some of the tangible blessings, some of the physical blessings, and the emotional blessings. When they enter Jannah, they say, Alhamdulillah, they thank Allah and they praise Allah, the one who removed all sorrow from them. All depression from them, all anxiety from them, all PTSD from them. Any emotional struggle is now completely gone. It's completely evaporated, completely vanished. First, they say, Alhamdulillah, and then they mention this. There's a secret within this. What is something that can help us with the huzun, with the, the emotional struggles and worries and grief that we have in this life? Alhamdulillah. There, there, there's, there's a secret within this ayah that we can benefit from the fruits from it in this life. It, saying Alhamdulillah doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory and there are no challenges. Despite the challenges, in addition to the challenges, I'm saying Alhamdulillah. Allah doesn't promise us that the believers are not going to have different, you know, difficult waves that they're going to have to navigate in this life. 
But with Alhamdulillah, with La ilaha illallah, with our adhkar, with our Qur'an, with the good deeds that we try to do, Allah will guide the sails of our ship so we can navigate those waves. Those waves are going to happen, but how are we going to approach them? Are we going to come out as better people, as better believers, or are we going to end up sinking and falling to the depths of the ocean? We ask Allah to protect us from that. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم In addition to some of the, the, the physical, the tangible descriptions, things that you can touch and feel that Allah gives us in the Qur'an regarding Jannah, whether it's fruits, whether it's homes, whether it's real estate, views, gardens, rivers in addition to that, Allah mentions some of the emotional benefits that these people, they're not going to have any worry. They're not going to have anything negative going on inside their hearts or their chests. Alhamdulillah In addition to that, and this is what I, what I, what I really want to, uh, to focus on as I, as I wrap up, Allah also describes, in addition to the physical blessings in Jannah, the emotional blessings in Jannah, and we ask Allah for all of these, Allah also mentions the social blessings of Jannah. Allah mentions, You're not going to hear anything negative in Jannah. You're not going to hear any lies in Jannah. You're not going to hear any gossip in Jannah. There's no slander in Jannah. There's no backbiting in Jannah. There's, no, there's nothing negative that is said. It's not just that people will literally say salam, but they will speak in peaceful ways with each other all the time, constantly, as if everybody, you know, as if everybody has has the same heart. Meaning, everyone's on the same page. Everybody loves each other. Everybody is kind and peaceful to each other. But again, if we want that in the next life, then we have to prepare ourselves for that in this life. How can I expect to end up in Jannah? where no one says anything bad, if I'm misusing my tongue, this blessing Allah has given me, left and right, night and day, regarding Muslims, non-Muslims, regarding anyone, no one is safe from my tongue at times. If that's the reality of a Muslim, how can they expect to enter Jannah? If they have nothing to do with Alhamdulillah, how can they expect to enter Jannah? So if someone is misusing their tongue now, the reality is that's a preview of what's to come. And the opposite is true. There are two sides to this coin, the negative and the positive. And if someone is constantly using their tongue in good ways to say good things to people, to say good things about people, not to flatter people unnecessarily, and no, no, but to genuinely say good things about people in their presence and in their absence. That, that sounds like a person of Jannah. They're very careful about how they use their tongue, how they use their words. It's a very famous hadith that we're, all, that we're all aware of, that we all know, but it's not just about knowing it and saying it. But we need to live it. We need to take the theory and turn it into practice. And we ask Allah to help us to do so as best we can. The Prophet taught us that none of you truly believes. None of you truly believes in Allah on the last day until what? None of you truly believes until... Uh, unless you say what's good, excuse me, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let them say what's good or remain silent. We're all aware of this hadith. 
But are we living it? Are we putting it into practice? Or when we get around the dinner table with our family, with our extended family, are we just saying anything and everything and no one really cares? As if we don't have to answer for our words tomorrow, tomorrow referring to the Day of Judgment from the Qur'anic perspective. Because Allah tells us in Surah Al-Hashr, Let each and every soul look at what they've prepared for tomorrow, directly referring to, to the Day of Judgment. Because Allah is telling us, if you live your life like you're preparing for the Day of Judgment, as if it's tomorrow, you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful. You're not going to misuse your tongue. You're not going to misuse your words. You're not going to you know, use foul language left and right with no care. Does that sound like a quality of a believer? We all know that the answer is no, but we have to turn the theory into practice. So let's make the intention today. We're not talking about the next year, the next month, the next week. We're not even talking about 24 hours. Today, between now and Maghrib, for the rest of Friday, from the Islamic perspective, let's live this concept. Let's say what's good or remain silent. Let's say what's good or remain silent. Because the Prophet warned us, and he also encouraged us, simultaneously, sallallahu alayhi wa that a person may say a word, and they think nothing of it, but it pleases Allah so much, so be, because of that with Allah, then their status, it goes up, and there's a lot of reward waiting for them. Now, the detail that's important there is they say a good word that's so small, they think nothing of it, but then with Allah, it's a big deal. What can we learn from this part of the hadith from this part of the teaching of the Prophet ﷺ, that this person has a good habit of constantly saying good, to the point where they lose track of all the different good things that they say. It's just, it's part of their character, it's embedded in their heart, that the way they use their tongue reflects the truth and the depth of their belief in the last day. So they're just trying to produce good words all the time as best they can. They're living this hadith. They say what's good or they remain silent. How can we practice this starting today, just between now and Maghrib? How do we plan on communicating with our spouses? How do we plan on communicating with our kids? How do we plan on communicating with our parents? How do we plan on communicating with those younger than us, those older than us, the same age? Maybe we know them, maybe we don't. The Prophet taught us that one of the best deeds that you can do is to greet those you know and greet those you don't know. The social aspect of things. The other side of, of that hadith is the warning that someone, they may say a word, they think nothing of it. But with Allah, it's so bad, it's such a big deal that their status drops and there's serious punishment waiting for them. We ask Allah to protect us from that. So how, how, can, how can we make sure that we're safe to be very careful about what we're saying and how we're saying it as best we can. We all slip up. We all say regrettable things here and there at different points in time. But if we're aware of it, if we're constantly doing muraqaba, muhasaba, we're constantly reflecting before we think and then even uh, before we speak and then even after we speak later on, we'll reflect and we'll think, okay, did I say anything that I need to apologize for? Did I say anything that I need to fix? Because I'd much rather fix it now in this life than worry about it in the next life. It's not just about the theory, but we want to take it and put it into practice. We ask Allah to help us. We ask Allah to forgive us. We hope and we pray that if we can use our tongues in good ways in this life, then hopefully we end up in Jannah where Allah says that people there, they never misuse their tongues. You're not going to hear any vain talk. There are no lies. The tongue is never misused in Jannah. So if we want to get there, we have to prepare 
our tongues in that manner in this life. We ask Allah to help us to do so. We ask Allah to forgive us for any and every bad thing we've ever said in our lives. And we ask Allah to help us to turn a new page with Him today. We ask Allah to help us to turn a new page with our spouses today in the best of ways, with our kids today in the best of ways, with our parents today in the best of ways. May Allah help us to live this concept of saying what's good or remaining silent as best we can. We ask Allah to overlook our shortcomings and we ask Allah to accept our efforts. Rabbana taqabal minna innaka anta samir alim wa tuba alayna innaka anta tawab al-rahim. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa kin adab al-nar. We ask Allah for the best of this life and the next and we ask Allah to protect us from his punishment. Rabbana atina min ladunka rahmah wa hayyit lana min amrina rashada. We ask Allah for special mercy from him that only he can give and we ask Allah to guide us through any and all of the affairs that we have. For anyone here and now that has any difficulty, we ask Allah to turn that hardship into ease. For anyone who has any pain, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, etc., we ask Allah to turn that hardship into ease. We ask Allah to relieve them of that pain. For anyone who has any debt, we ask Allah to pay off their debt completely and totally. For anyone who has any worry, we ask Allah to relieve them of that worry completely and totally. Amni Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min al-hammi wal-hazan wa na'udhu bika min al-ajazi wal-kasal wa na'udhu bika min al-jubni wal-bukht wa na'udhu bika min ghalabat al-dayni wa qahri al-rijal. We ask Allah to unite our hearts. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. Allahumma ati... We ask Allah to give our hearts the taqwa that, that our hearts need. And we ask Allah to purify our hearts. Allah is the best one to purify them. We ask Allah to gather all of us in paradise. We ask Allah to protect all of us from the fire. We ask Allah to guide our youth and to make them far better than us. We ask Allah to guide our kids and to make them far better than us. We ask Allah to make us people of Quran. And we ask Allah to help us to do what we can to take the theory and put it into practice. We ask Allah again to gather all of us in Firdaus. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Inna Allah ya'muru bil ali wal ihsani wa ita'i dhil qurba. Wa yanha al fahshai wal munkari wal baghi ya'adukum la'alakum tadhakirun. Wa aqim as-salam.